And you know, we've all been there before, haven't we? We all have had people in our life. We have all had experiences in our life. We have all had dreams for our life that for some reason or another, um, they did not meet the expectations that we had for them. And a lot of times, you know, that, that, that doesn't bother us too bad. At least, at least it shouldn't. It shouldn't surprise us. We know, you know people aren't perfect. This world isn't perfect. You know, and it doesn't surprise us when we get let down um, by an imperfect world and imperfect people. But can I, I tell you this morning about a, a type of disappointment when I get down, that I get let down, that really I have a really, really difficult time dealing with. It really bothers me. And I have such trouble just wrestling with the times, the moments in my life when I am let down by Jesus. Those moments where I'm let down by Jesus. I mean, I can handle getting let down by imperfect people. I can handle getting down by, let down by an imperfect world, but it really, really bothers me when I get let down by someone who I have been told for my entire life is a perfect God. But it happens. It's happened on more than one occasion. There are times in my life where I've been disappointed by God. Times in my life where Jesus, it feels like he has failed me. Times in my life where it feels like, man, Jesus, he has failed to live up to the expectations that I had for him. Does anyone else ever, do you ever feel that or like willing to admit that without fear of the roof kind of crashing down this morning? Have you ever been disappointed by God? Has Jesus ever failed you? Have there ever been moments in your life where it feels like Jesus failed to live up to your expectations of him? You know, maybe you were told when you were single, if you would, hey, if you would just date in this way, if, you know, I would stay pure and I would date this type of person and, and we followed all these steps. Whenever I got married one day, I mean, God is going to return the favor and marriage, it's just going to be easy. And you did that and you got married only to find out that all those people lied to you. Marriage is hard. And it's a little disappointing when you figure that out for the first time. You know, maybe you're here and you, you raised your kids with, with so much intentionality. It's like train up a child in the way he should go. In the end, he will not depart from it. You, you went all in on that. You had your kids at church every opportunity that they could be there. You know, you raised them in a, in a moral environment. You discipled your kids to follow Jesus only to have them just throw out everything that you taught them the moment that they left home. And that is incredibly disappointing. Do you have prayers that have gone unanswered? You've prayed for sickness to go away only to see people that you love die. You've prayed for mom and dad to stop fighting only for your parents to end up getting divorced. You know, do you ever come in here on a Sunday morning and we start singing that song, you're never going to let, you're never going to. Does it take every ounce of self-restraint you have not to grab, grab your cup of coffee and just throw it at Trace's face? <laughs> I mean, have you ever, has, has God ever disappointed you? Has Jesus ever failed you? Has Jesus ever failed to live up to your expectations of him?
Hey, if that's you this morning, uh, I have what I think uh, will be some good news for you. You are not the first person that that has happened to. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. It is Palm Sunday, and this morning we're going to look at Luke's telling of that story. Okay, Luke's telling of the story when Jesus entered into the city of, of Jerusalem for what would begin ultimately the, the first day of the final week of his life on this earth. And as we look at this story, we're going to really look at, at two responses that people have. One, we're going to look at the response of the people of Jerusalem that they had towards Jesus. And as we do that, I, I think they're going to show us, we're going to see what is the root reason why sometimes it feels like Jesus fails to live up to our expectations of him. And two, we're going to look at Jesus' response to these people. And in doing that, I think he's going to show us what is, a, what is a mind shift, a shift that we may have to make in our thinking that will help us to, to, to maybe experience those moments of disappointment a little less often. Hey, so what do we do? What do we do when it feels like Jesus fails us. We're going to pick up with the story of Jesus' arrival into Jerusalem. Uh, here in Luke 19, we find Jesus riding into the city of Jerusalem uh, on a donkey, okay, which the Jewish people um, would have recognized as something that their long-awaited Messiah was going to do. So what do they do? What do they do when they see Jesus riding to the city on a donkey in this way? Let's pick up with their response in verse 37. It says, when he, Jesus, came near the place uh, where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. They started to praise him. Why did they praise him? For all the miracles they had seen. And they said, blessed is the king. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You know, I, I think it's really difficult for us just through a casual reading of that passage to really see the picture of what is happening at this moment. You know, a lot of historians estimate that there were probably two million people in the city of Jerusalem at this time for this particular Passover. There was a lot of hype around Jesus at this time, probably two million people in the city. And they estimate that there were probably 100,000 people surrounding Jesus as he made his way into the city, riding on the donkey, putting their palm branches on the ground, laying their coats on the road. 100,000 people, the, the closest thing that I could think to compare it to was some of the, you know, the kind of like the ticker tape parades that they used to do in New York City. This picture, this is one actually uh, of John Glenn in 1964. But literally just thousands of people coming together, singing the praises to celebrate one man. You know, I was actually going to put a picture of the Cowboys' last Super Bowl parade up there, but... It's so far gone from our memories, I was afraid some of us might have gone into shock um, if we saw it. And so, but that, that, that is the scene that Jesus walked into. Thousands of people praising his name. Palm Sunday, 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered Jerusalem surrounded by the praise and the expectant hope of an entire nation. Thousands upon thousands were praising his name. So how did he, what did he do? How did he react to the response that he received from these people? Jump down to verse 41. It says, as he, as Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, what did he do? He wept over it. He wept over it. That doesn't really make sense. As he comes in, 
a hundred thousand people singing his praises. Jesus comes in and he sees this crowd and he starts to weep. He starts to weep. This word weep, it's actually the strongest word in the Greek language for crying or, or weeping. It is meant to, to communicate agonized sobbing. Okay, it can actually be translated as wailing. Have you ever, have you ever seen somebody wail before? I mean, I promise you, if you do, you're never going to forget it. A little over five years ago, I was actually in my kitchen when all of a sudden my then six-year-old son comes into the kitchen. He goes, Daddy, Daddy, something's wrong with Mama. Something's wrong with Mama. Well, I leave the kitchen, I run, and I find my wife in our hallway. She is falling onto her knees with her phone in her hand, and she is wailing, wailing, because she has just received a phone call from her brother uh, that her dad had died earlier that morning unexpectedly of a heart attack. She was wailing. Picture that. Picture that type of emotion. That's what Jesus is feeling as he's, he's, he's entering into the city and all of these people are praising him. And Jesus, he is sobbing. He is sobbing over the city. It's not just one little tear running down his cheek. He is in agony over these people. But why? It feels like they get it, don't it? Doesn't it? Why? Why did Jesus respond this way? What did he see? Pay attention right here because Jesus, he's going to show us something that is true about the men and women here welcoming Jesus that day. And that's often true about a lot of us. And I believe it's the root reason why it sometimes feels like Jesus, he fails to live up to our expectations of him. Verse 41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Why? He said, if you, even you had only known on, if you only were able to recognize, if you had only known on this day, what would bring you peace? But now it is hidden from your eyes. Jesus, he was sobbing over this people because he came to bring them peace. But they missed it. They missed it. And the reason they missed it is they, they were expecting their Messiah. They were expecting Jesus to come in, into the city that day. They were expecting him to set them free from the rule of Rome. They were expecting Jesus to come and, and to, to, to bring political peace to their nation. They were expecting Jesus to come and to bring social peace. They were expecting Jesus to be this miracle worker, this miracle worker who would ultimately make their lives easier. They're expecting Jesus to bring them peace, just not the peace that Jesus came to give to them. It was a different type of peace, and they missed it. They missed it. And honestly, in, in my life, there have been moments in my life where I, I've missed it too. You know, without a doubt, the most difficult thing that I've ever experienced personally in my life um, was when we, uh, we actually lost our first son. Our, our first child uh, was stillborn uh, when my wife, Ashley, uh, was 31 weeks pregnant. And it was, it was obviously an incredibly difficult uh, thing for our family to go through. And there are still scars from that that honestly we don't think will be healed this side of heaven. 
But beyond just the sorrow, beyond just the sense of loss um, that we felt um, from that, that whole experience, probably the most difficult thing for me uh, to work through personally was that was the first time in my life, honestly, where things, they just didn't work out. They didn't work out the way that I expected them to work out. Now, I had had difficulties in my life before, um, but they always just kind of seemed to work out in the end. You know, like I, they worked out in a way where I could say, you know what, that, that makes sense. I can understand why things happen that way. But when we sat there in that hospital and our doctor told us that our baby had died, it was just so final. And I remember just sitting there thinking, man, there is, this isn't going to work out. This is not going to work out the way that, that I expect it to, the way that I anticipate it to, the way that I wanted it to. Well, after, you know, a, a, a long time when the, the, just the feelings of sadness weren't as constant or as crushing, um, I, those feelings of sadness, they started to get replaced uh, with some other emotions, primarily anger and distrust. I mean, I was angry. I was mad. I mean, this is not what I had signed up for when I decided to follow Jesus 10 years earlier. He was supposed to protect me from moments in my life like this. I was angry. And I couldn't trust him for anything. Especially with my family. I became so anxious when it came to my wife and my kids. I would do everything that I could to protect them because I wouldn't trust them with God. I mean, how could I? I mean, he disappointed me. He let me down. I, would not, I didn't feel like I would ever trust him in that area of my life ever again. And I, was, I felt that way, that anger and that distress for a really, really long time. And ultimately, here, here's why that became a, a problem, at least for me. Okay, this is my experience. I'm not saying this is how everybody processes through this. Uh, but this is why that was so difficult for me. For years, for years, I became so, I was so focused on, on the peace that I wanted Jesus to give me. Primarily the peace that, that my life would work out the way that I expected it to. I was so focused on the peace that I wanted from Jesus that I was missing out on the, the, the kind of peace that I actually needed from Jesus in that moment. And through that, that whole situation, that whole experience, just, just, just kind of what I felt like I, I learned. Jesus, he does not promise us the peace of an easy life. As followers, it's just not in the cards for us. Okay, if you really look at what Jesus says it's going to take to, to follow him, it, it's, it's the exact opposite of easy. Jesus, he doesn't promise us the peace of an easy life. But he does promise us the peace of eternal life. And that, that, that's what the people of Jerusalem missed that day. They're looking at Jesus to become, to be this person who would set them free from, from the tyranny of Rome. 
They saw him as this miracle worker who would make their lives easy. They have, had this type of peace that they expected that Jesus would provide for them. And because they were so focused on that, they missed the true kind of peace that Jesus came to give them that day. It's the same type of peace that Jesus offers us today. The peace that Jesus came to give was peace with God. He came to give us peace with God. Not necessarily a peaceful life in this world. He came to give us peace with God. Because Jesus, if you, by putting our faith in the fact that Jesus came, he died on the cross. He came back to life as payment for our sins. If we, we put our, our trust in him, he will remove our sins. And he will allow us to, 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 to have peace with God. To be in a relationship to him. To do life with him. An abundant life with him. Listen, Jesus, he doesn't give us a, a type of peace that protects us from the difficulties of life. But he does give us a type of peace that sustains us through the difficulties of life. Listen, and it's a type of peace that gives us hope that there is a better life to come. And the reason for, for, for so long, I was so disappointed in Jesus. And I think the reason was because my, my expectations of Jesus did not line up with the intentions of Jesus for my life. Okay, my expectations of Jesus, I had expectations of Jesus to give me an easy life. But Jesus' intentions for my life were to experience life with him. My expectations of him, they didn't match up with his intentions for my life. And when I, when I realized that, it, it, it kind of just changed everything for me. Now listen, it didn't take away the, the sadness I'm not saying that. I'm not up here today being like, man, I'm so glad I went through all that. Like, well, look at what all I learned about God. It's not at all. And if I could push a button right here that would erase that whole experience, my son would be here today. I would push it in a heartbeat. I'm not saying that at all. But when I did start to recognize and understand that I was, I was angry at God because he was failing to meet expectations that I had that he never promised that he was going to meet in the first place. It did help me to, to realize and start to see with more clarity the type of peace that he actually wanted to provide me. I started to see with more clarity that because I had trusted Jesus to forgive me my sins, that, he had, he, that I had peace with God because of that, he also brought me into a new family. A family of Christ followers who really knew how to come around me and to love me and to help me and to, to be with my family in these times of sorrow. And we experienced that in some very real ways. Because I had this peace with God, it allowed me to experience, I had a connection with him, a life source of him. And when I would lean into him, I found that he provided me with a type of comfort that honestly, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. When I realized that I had just this peace with God, I started to, to, to read the scriptures and grab onto promises that he had made, me, made to me. Promises that this life isn't the end. Promises that there's a better life to come. That he's going to come and he's going to create a, a new world, a world without sickness, a world without death, a world without sorrow, a world without pain. And I started to grab onto those promises. I started to grab onto the promise of resurrection. That one day my, my, my body, when I die, it's going to be resurrected. And I believe personally that the body of my infant son will be resurrected. I'm going to get to see him again someday. But if I would have continued to, to hold on to my disappointment in Jesus, 
for not meeting the expectations I had of him that he never said that he would meet. I would have missed out on the true, the, the, the better type of peace that Jesus always intended for me. Here's the point. I, I think that we learn uh, that we can take from this Palm Sunday, from the crowd's reaction to Jesus, from Jesus' reaction to them. Here's what the, the, the lesson I think we can take from that story 2,000 years later. And the point is this. Hey, don't, don't miss what matters most. Don't miss what matters most. Listen, don't miss peace with God, which Jesus promises to provide for us. Because you are so focused on a peaceful life, which Jesus never promised he's going to give you anyways. Listen, if you're here this morning and you are, you're just, you're expecting Jesus to come and him to, him to, to fix our political system or to curb inflation or to fix all the social problems in our world or, if you're, or to give, give you an easier life. Listen, I think you're going to be really, really disappointed in him. Jesus, he did not come to give you perfect peace in this world. At least not yet. That day's coming. But he did come to provide you and to enable you to have perfect peace with God. Don't miss that. Don't miss what matters most. Hey, so how do we do that? How, do, how, can we, how can we not miss what matters most, especially heading into this Easter season? Hey, it's a kind of a, a way to apply this. I wanted to give you guys just one question. Okay, one question that you can kind of think of and reflect on um, starting today and throughout this week as we head into Easter. And the question is this, hey, where do my expectations of Jesus fail to line up with the intentions of Jesus? Where do my expectations of Jesus fail to line up with the intentions of Jesus? Like I said, a lot of times our disappointment in God comes from the fact that, that we have expectations of God, which he never said he would meet. That, that, that our intentions with him, that they don't line up. So where, where do you need to adjust your expectations? And I was actually talking to my mom yesterday about this whole, you know, us losing Jackson and what that was like for her. It was her first grandchild. She said, you know, it, it didn't really help me. I couldn't really move on until I realized uh, that, hey, this world isn't heaven. And I was expecting God to kind of make this world a little bit of heaven for me. And this isn't it. He, he's promised that later. And so where do, you, where do you need to adjust your expectations to line them up with Jesus' intentions for your life? And to do that, you're going to have to know what his intentions for your life are. And you're going to have, you're going to, have to hear from God. You're going to have to get into his word. Okay, I have people tell me, it's like, man, God doesn't speak to me. I don't really hear from God. Listen, God's not going to speak to you through a closed Bible sitting on your nightstand. I mean, get in there. What, what are Jesus' intentions, his purposes for your life? And where do your expectations need to become more in line with that? I mean, the more that we can do that, the less the sense of, I think, of that disappointment in him will come. Hey, last thing and, and, and we'll be done. I am, I am 41 years old, okay? I have been a Christian now for, for almost 22 years, okay? And there's some things that I have... I realize now that in my 40s that I, I thought that I didn't want to miss out on, you know, in my 20s and my 30s. There are things that I thought were important in my 20s and 30s that now in my 40s, I don't care about at all. Okay, and I, I'm sure there are things that I care about now in my 40s that I'm not going to care about whenever I'm 60. I, I understand that. 
But I do think that I've been around long enough to know that there are certain things in this life that I simply can't afford to miss. Through peace with God, I I get to experience the knowledge of the forgiveness of my sins rather than live a life filled with guilt and shame. I promise you, you do not want to miss that. Because I have peace with God, rather I, I have security in who I am, confidence who I am as his child, rather than the, the insecurity that a lot of times I can feel in this world. I promise you, you don't want to miss that. Because I am at peace with God, I have a place to where I can go to find some comfort in the times of sorrow that I promise you are going to come. Because I am at peace with God, I have certainty about my eternal destiny rather than fear and anxiety about my future. I promise you, you can't afford to miss that. Peace with God and life with him. That is something you simply can't afford to miss. And because Jesus came to Jerusalem that day, that week, knowing fully well that he was coming to die, to bring you into peace with God because of him, you don't have to. Hey, let me pray for us. Father, we come to you this morning and uh, Lord, thank you. Uh, Thank you for Jesus. Lord, thank you that Uh, God, you know that what we need, um, even uh, when we don't know what the right answer to that question is, Lord, you know that the ultimate peace uh, that we need for you to provide. And Father, I I just pray for all of us this morning. We we all have moments and times in our life that were difficult, uh, that were hard, Lord, that that really caused us to question if you were even there, uh, to question if you even care. Uh, But Father, I I pray today, uh, Lord, that instead of turning from you in these moments, I pray that we would press into you. Lord, if there's someone here today that has never experienced peace with you and what that means, they are separated from you because they have never put their trust in Jesus to forgive forgive them of their sins. I pray that they would do that today. And Lord, for those of us who have, I pray uh, that we would not long uh, just for a peaceful life on this earth. I, I pray that we would press in for the better peace that you, you have promised to give us. Uh, the peace of, of life with you. Uh, peace with the Father. I just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Doxology Bible Church podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. If you're ever in the Fort Worth area, we'd love to worship with you in person at one of our services. For more information on service times and location, visit doxology.church.